Hey friend, welcome to Grounded, the vestibular podcast. I'm Dr. Madison Oak, aka the Vertigo Doctor. I am the vestibular physical therapist who is here to help you with all things dizziness, imbalance, and vertigo. In this podcast, we explore the fascinating world of vestibular disorders. Come with me as we dive headfirst into a journey to discover the mysteries of the brain, the inner ear, and the balance mechanisms that keep us grounded. Whether you've been managing dizziness for one day or 25 years, we're going to get real about what it takes to manage dizziness, handle the anxiety cycle, and thrive, not just survive, with your vestibular disorder. First, I want to remind you that this is never medical advice. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be the best fit for you and your personal situation. It shall not be construed as medical advice. The information and education provided here is not intended or implied to supplement or replace professional medical treatment advice and or diagnosis. Always check with your own physician, medical professionals, and healthcare team before trying or implementing any information found here. Meet me in your coziest chair while we navigate the highs and lows, the twists and turns of the vestibular universe. Welcome to Grounded. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Dr. Jenna and I are here today to talk about the heavily asked about topic, benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. We're going to be talking about BPPV, which is what we call benign paroxysmal positional vertigo because that's way too hard to say a thousand times fast. And also we're going to be talking about kind of like positional vertigo in general. Is it actually BPPV or not? Even BPPV out. is a mouthful. I why do like, they have to have B's and P's? Like they're and just V's. like V's and V's. <laughs> it's like wait a all second. the same. It's like B as in boy, P as in plant, P as in plant, V as in Victor. And it's like, okay, those are all of the hardest letters together. So Yeah. I'm sure anyway. if you said that into like Siri right now, they'd give you like four different letters that are nowhere near what you're going for oh when I do text-to-speech or when I do like talking to my stories and like put the caption on always vestibule vestibule, and Meniere's disease is manure's disease and the other thing that vestibular turns into is Mr. Bueller like Ferris Bueller's day off and I'm like where do you get this anyway we have heavily gone into a tangent (laughs) Not too bad, but I mean, that's the thing though, because people are like, I, the, the bead, the, the thing, the crystal, like, yeah, it's easier to say crystal. Yeah, it's hard on everyone to try to enunciate, remember, it's, totally. but it does have a very, in terms of naming things, it's one of the most straightforward named, you know, conditions because totally. like benign it's not life-threatening. It's not going to kill you. You might think otherwise if you're going through it, but like technically mm-hmm. from a, is your body in like major distress and like something needs to happen stat, like not in that way, but on the flip side, you know, it can be a huge disruptor to your life, how you totally. feel, and it can still be unsafe because it has been shown to increase your risk of falls. Um, totally. I always say people should treat it. Someone's asked me before about this, like it's benign. It's not going to kill me. And honestly, like I know it's going to happen when I lay back and like, I feel good to have that control, which I thought was really interesting, but I was like, you should still get it treated because of the increased fall risk. So that's something to, to know. I feel like a couple episodes ago or something, I was harping on my dad being like that we're on vacation. So I should ask him how that's going. (laughs) You definitely should check in, but yeah, like benign. So, you know, it's harmless. That's like the news you want to hear if you're getting some sort of testing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like paroxysmal, I can't say I had any idea what that word meant until it was put <laughs> with these other ones of just like it's sudden, it's brief, like it's just kind of popping up positional, certain positions of the body or how the head is in relation to gravity, like certain positions, people say it only happens if I, and then they start showing you, it's like, well, don't show me, just tell me. (laughs) And then vertigo, it's that room spinning, the sliding, like things are moving around me type of thing. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like 
the words that they pick to name it. It's a very good way that it describes, the name describes what it is. It's just a tongue twister. Totally. Totally. I want to start using the word paroxysmal in more parts of my life. Word of the day. Word of the day. <laughs> Sudden. Like paroxysmally. And everyone would be like, excuse me? Just to, like mess with people. <laughs> anyway, that's what BPPV is. You can also call it the thing with the crystals because that's way easier to say. Yes. Um, in episode one, so if you scroll all the way back, which I know scrolling is not our friend, but if you swipe your finger on the screen to scroll and look away, then you scroll all the way to the bottom of the podcasts, you will learn a lot about anatomy and physiology. So if you haven't listened to that episode and you're like, I'm really not familiar with anatomy and physiology of the inner ear, this is one of those episodes where it's going to be helpful to understand that anatomy and physiology. So I encourage you, obviously, to listen to this episode as well. But if you want to kind of put a pause on this one and then come back to it after you better understand the anatomy and physiology of the peripheral vestibular system, that might be really helpful for you. I'm just going to say you were really smart making that one of your first episodes Thanks. because you can just filter. I think most podcast mm. platforms now you can filter from like oldest to newest or newest to oldest. So if you just change the filter like oldest to newest, then you don't have to scroll. It should just pop up that. Well, okay then. Do it that. Do what Jenna says. Work smarter, not harder. I know for sure that works on Spotify, but 57, fun fact, 57% of the people who listen to this podcast listen to it on Apple Podcasts. Well, so I'm sure how to work that because I was, yeah, I'm sure it works the same way. And if you use that platform, then you listen to it on, on it now. Hopefully you know how to work it, but I'm a Spotify person. I can't, I saw everyone used it until I started this podcast and I I learned differently. I think they really got us as the like student college student discount generation and then that brand loyalty just subscription loyalty what can you do anyway go back and listen to that episode (laughs) for our tangent but hello if you're back or if you've already listened to it awesome hi anatomy we have a little reminder which is there are three semicircular canals that detect angular motion on either side of your head so you have a left vestibular system and a right vestibular system and it pick up, picks up different head movements that are angular. And then, of course, we have our otolith organs. I don't know why all of these have the most bizarre names. The otolith organs house your otoconia, which are your ear crystals. And those detect gravity and linear motion. So forward, backward, side to side, left and right. That is the kind of movement that the otoconia detect. And together those two things detect all of the motion in your body and how much you're accelerating, decelerating, things like that. Then when the otoconia, which are supposed to live on this little like jelly-like substance we talked about in episode one, when it accidentally falls off of that, which they're supposed to slough off. I don't like that word, but they are supposed to slough off throughout your life. You're born with a certain amount and slowly they fall off. Um, For some people, faster than other people. We don't have to get into that. But if it falls off and you happen and it happens to slip into a semicircular canal, that's when you have BPPV. Now, a lot of times when those slough off, they don't go anywhere. You shouldn't be afraid of these coming off because they're supposed to. It's part of being a human. But if you happen to be in a position where it happens to slide, into the semicircular canal rather than being reabsorbed by something called your dark cells, there's it's going to cause BPPV. That being said, there are studies, and I want to be very clear about this, there are studies that show that people who slept at an incline had no difference in BPPV recurrence than people who slept in other positions. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. You shouldn't change your whole life in sleeping position. Say it again. (laughs) I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Do not change your sleeping position because you've had BPPV. And also don't go on bed rest because of BPPV because that will only increase your risk for BPPV. So being active, walking around, lifting weights, doing whatever exercise makes you happy 
is preventative for BPPV. If you can do one thing to prevent BPPV, it's to live an active lifestyle. And us PTs love that, but I'm serious. It's in the research all over the place. Move your body, lift weights. These otoconia are made up of bone material. And what we know is that as we age, we start decreasing our bone mineral density because that's where calcium lives and most of us aren't getting enough calcium. And so then we start sucking it from our bones. And where's an easy place to get that? Otoconia, which are falling off of your little organ there. So the less bone density you have, the higher the risk for BPPV as well. So please move your body, build muscle mass, which therefore builds bone density. That is my rant. (laughs) Um, As I say, I know we have notes about preventing it in the future, but when things just kind of like fall right in the place, like go off. And I know sometimes, you know, that's also why they look at vitamin D levels because vitamin Mm -hmm. D and calcium and bones, you know, there's kind of that little triangle impact going there. So just making sure like, are my levels good there? I think we've talked about this before, or I just hear smart things and I read them in your voice. I don't know. (laughs) Most of us are probably low in vitamin D. Like we're probably not getting through our food as much through sunlight. Like there's, Mm -hmm. it's probably something we could all work on. And again, it kind of ties into everything that you just mentioned. I heard a statistic the other day, so I don't have the resource. So definitely fact check me that we spend something like 90% of our lives inside. Oh, I feel like I I think I've heard one of like by the time we're, I don't know, it's some like super young age, like 12 or something like we've (laughs) like that is like, you know, like 85, 90% of like our total outdoor time we like hit by that age because you're just outside so much as a kid. And then that just completely shifts once you're getting older and you know, interests, expectations, jobs, all that kind of stuff where it's just like that. And like, you know, when you hit a certain age, you stay within like a two mile radius of your home or five mile radius. Like there's kind of these, like, there's different like markers about where you go. Yeah. It's very interesting. I'm like, I figure that out. But someone the other day told me, like, I live in Los Angeles. So like, I don't need to take vitamin D. And I asked her, I was like, how much time are you spending inside? She's like, most of it. I'm like, when you're in the sun, are you wearing sunscreen? And she's like, yes, of course. And I was like, you're not, you're vitamin D deficient. I can almost, I mean, obviously I wanted her to get tested levels, stuff like that. Have her doctor prescribe the amount of vitamin D she's taking, but people are vitamin D deficient and people are dehydrated. So both of those things are going to help you prevent BPPV. So when we're talking prevention of it, being active, getting your vitamin D checked, getting your calcium, your bone density and your blood pressure checked. Those are like the big ones for sure. Yes. Um, again, it's one of those things of pride things we should be doing anyway, but totally. if this is something that's on your radar or wanting to try to do what you can to prevent it from happening or recurring, it's just like, hey, what are some basic health things that I should mm-hmm. get addressed? Like totally. if you have diabetes, is that being well-managed? Is your mm-hmm. blood pressure well-managed if it's high or your cholesterol? Because that all seems to fold into BPPV to some mm-hmm. extent. They, of course, don't quite know how much, but there seems to be enough that for your own health and for this do it. Yeah. Fun fact. Everyone's always asked me, I get this question like once a week, do you have a vestibular disorder? And I say no, but I have had BPPV one time in 2021. Fun fact. That's my little fact. It was right posterior canal BPPV, knew exactly what it was. The second I laid down, treated it with a epi maneuver one time, gone, hasn't come back since. And this is 2023 now. So that's pretty good odds, but I know that I live a life with a higher risk factor for BPPV because I've had it once. And if you had it once, you have a higher risk of getting it again. The lucky part is now you know what it is. And so now you can say like, oh, laid down last night, need to send my PT a message in the morning to get this treated because that is the best way, the fastest way of going about it for sure. Yeah, I can't say I've had it. I usually say I have a party trick as to how I had to experience it because (laughs) we were in our physiology lab in undergrad and we were learning about this stuff. (laughs) And 
I had to be the guinea pig in my group where we were like in an office chair and they spun me around. Ooh. And did we do this in lab too, maybe? Yeah, rotary chair test. Yes, but it was a lot meaner because <laughs> they wanted it to last longer. So they spun me around for a good like 30 plus seconds on a decent Ooh. clip. And then they stopped me suddenly and just do, 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 like pinball machine with my eyes. And they're like, keep totally. them open, keep them open. I'm like, this is like a 6 p.m. lab. It was not a fun time to have a lab. I already ate. I was like, if I don't get to close my eyes in the next like five seconds, you will know what I had for dinner. Please let me close that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, nystagmus is something. It's that not is, fun. It's not fun. It's indicative of BPPV and also indicative of other stuff. So for instance, you can spin yourself in a chair for a while and if you want to show someone else what having vertigo is like, that's how I recommend doing it. Please do it safely with arms on your like armchair, spinny chair. Be really safe. Actually, you probably shouldn't do this, but like I know someone's <laughs> going to, so please be safe. It's mean. And then you don't have their to go eyes super fast, but go, it's more yeah. that sudden stop. It mm-hmm. probably felt faster causes, than it really was, but yeah, it um, causes vertigo. So yeah, yeah. that's and how you can even, induce it. And depending on the person, you know, even that kind of just like hangover kind of after like you know it was after it probably took me mm-hmm. a, a little bit longer to just really be like okay it's done but I still don't love how I feel like mm-hmm. again totally. all that normal stuff that you hear with actual BPPV and treatment. totally which is how you know you have it so people will say well I laid down last night and all of a sudden I got really dizzy and the next question that someone should always ask you is what does that dizziness feel like? Because dizziness is an umbrella term for lots of different symptoms, lightheadedness, being off, uh, vertigo, dizziness, just like lots of different symptoms. Vertigo is the incorrect perception that you or the room around you is moving, sliding, or spinning. So if you say, I laid down last night and I got dizzy, and then you say, well, I had vertigo, I want to know if you feel like your internal organs or brain is moving, or if the room is spinning around you, because those are two very, very, very different things. And if the room you see literally spinning around you or sliding around you or sliding up and down, I had someone tell me once that it felt like uh, um, his cabinet was growing because he had horizontal canal. So it would like grow up and then get bigger and then like shoot back down. Um, So there's just lots of ways that you can determine exactly how that feels for you. But you want to be looking for, is the room around me moving? That's kind of the number one indicator that you have vertigo, but it's actually not the number or that you have BPPV, but it's actually like vertigo is not even the number one complaint for dizziness, which is something that Cheryl of healing vertigo taught me. It's like imbalance or something. They don't say vertigo is the number one symptom of BPPV that people report. Now, when you're getting tested for it, we're looking for that like nystagmus that's causing that to kind of like spin around, but that's not even the number one thing that people complain of, which is so interesting. Yeah. When I've had people describe it, like you said, it's kind of that, like, you know, I'm trying to look at something on my wall and it just keeps like flying away from me or Mm -hmm. kind of like, like that, like flying, taking off, like that spinny ride at a carnival tilt a whirl, but it's like Mm -hmm. everything else around you type of thing. But sometimes though, there's like the ones that are like, I don't know. I just feel more like floaty spacey off and Mm -hmm. you know they still have you know you do the positional testing which we can get into in a minute you see the eye movements but it's maybe at a little bit slower rate or different intensity based off what you see from their eyes where you're like okay this makes sense that you would have more of this just like I feel off I feel off balance like Mm -hmm. it just kind of comes out in a slightly different way than that maybe more textbook way that we might be taught. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. So I always think that if someone comes in with dizziness and you're really not sure what it is, that a test for BPPV is always a good idea from a physical therapist standpoint. So someone says they have these XYZ symptoms, you're just like, I'm really not sure. Like it seems a little weird, not presenting right. You do maybe like a neuro screen. So they have you like raise your eyebrows and stick out your tongue and smell something and like whatever. Those are things that they're doing to test your cranial nerves. But if they're still like, you know, nothing's coming back positive, I always think that a test for BPPV is a good idea. Now it can be something else and present like BPPV and we can get into that. But 
testing for it is harmless. It's not going to cause BPPV. So it's always good to, because sometimes more often than you think, you'll actually find BPPV. So that's something to note. So how do we test for it is always the question that people want to know. And so we want to know first, is it on the right or left side? And then what canal is it in? Yes. And that's why those different positions are important and just gives us a little bit more of a like systematic way to try to help piece that together. So even if someone's not maybe super familiar or comfortable, um, I say it's always nice to just try it. And even if you're like, I really don't think this is what it is, but maybe they've had it before, or you're just kind of like brand new. Like if there's someone I've never seen before, I go, doesn't really sound like it. Let's just check it. Cause it's again, like if that's there, we want to address that first. So it takes a minute if it's not there. And then you have a little bit more of an exposure of what is that testing like? What would that look like for a test and treatment just to make you more familiar? And then I think it kind of takes some of that mystery out of it. Should we feel like we need to come back to it? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Um, but yeah, there's the Dix Hall Pike and that's mm -hmm. kind of that, I say, that's like the popular one. That's like the cool kid, the one, you, <laughs> the one you see a, a lot of, or hear a lot about. And that's for that posterior canal, which tends to be mm -hmm. the most involved one that tends to be the one that you're finding a positive test and treatment for. So it makes sense that it's the popular one that you see a lot. Um, and it tends to be the starting position for the treatment. Mm -hmm. So that's why it can get a little confusing once we start throwing names around because you're like, well, I did this for this thing, but now you're treating me, but I'm in the same position. Like, what's the deal here? Um, so and all the names are insane. No one can remember those. There's Epley, there's Gufoni, there's Laboratory, there's Samant, Barbecue have cool roll. names, okay? Okay, well, barbecue that's not roll. someone's name. <laughs> I could see that being like someone's like pet name. How do you think pickleball came to be? <laughs> but seriously, like if you're like, I do not know what maneuver they did to like tell another provider. I literally don't blame you because they all have. I wish my last name was Goofoni. I can't lie. Like that's hysterical. <laughs> but yeah, it's doing these maneuvers is like, I always compare it to I was talking to a patient about this the other day. And she's like, this is the most insane thing. Like who came up with this? And I was like, Mr. Epley. But he, it's, when we were talking, she was like, how do you know, like what to do? I'm like, it's truly like that game you played when you were a kid that had the, like, it's like a wooden box and you do like a maze with two little like screws on the side oh, yeah, and you get a marble tilts. to go through the thing. It like tilts back and forth. Yeah. It's like that, but blindfolded. That's what like doing this is. Or it's like that combined with telephone because your eyes are telling me if we're mm -hmm. doing the right thing or not. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And the only thing I have to rely on are your eyes, which do move in a very distinct direction. So when we do a Dix Hall Pike, which is the test for the posterior canal, we're looking for nystagmus. And nystagmus is an involuntary eye movement. And in this case, it cannot be suppressed. So if you have some types of involuntary eye movement that you just live with, some people do live with like a baseline nystagmus, oftentimes they can do different things to suppress it so their eyes can stay still. If you have BPPV during that 15 to 60 seconds when your eyes are moving around, that nystagmus cannot be suppressed while you're doing it. It won't last very long. It might feel like a lifetime and a half, but it really typically is not more than 60 seconds with some exceptions as always, but it's important to recognize when that's happening, that it is going to end. And once I see the nystagmus that I'm looking for, whether it's torsional upbeating nystagmus or geotropic, so down towards the floor nystagmus or ageotropic up towards the ceiling nystagmus, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, once I see it, I tend to let people kind of close their eyes again because it can be so much more comfortable. Yes, it's that kind of like, let's get our eyes on it so we can say, yep, I feel a lot more confident in what treatment I need to do. 
and then like do what you need to do to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, totally. if it's acting a little, yeah, like if there is some sort of other factors going on and it might look a little different, again, that might take a little bit longer, or maybe if they have the goggles that can record, you know, just like let's get mm-hmm. enough to see that and just look back at it type of thing. Um, but I always say, hey, I want to make sure that we're doing the right thing right from the get-go because if we're doing a different treatment, you might be feeling uh, your symptoms kick up and it's not exactly doing what we're hoping it does. So, Mm -hmm. um, And feeling good about reading what those eye movements are to then pick the correct treatment as part of that process, which Mm -hmm. is also why I keep a list of all those names because I'm... I'm not being tested on what the maneuver is with the name anymore. I can do the maneuver correctly. I know it has a name. Let me Mm -hmm. just make sure I'm thinking of the right one because there's a lot of stuff swimming up in that. Totally. (laughs) There are so I want to kind of like level set for patients listening to this. If you have BPPV and it's not posterior canal BPPV, because most people will know that like the back of their hand, not everyone, but most people most PTs and your PT is like, give me a second. I want to make sure I'm going to do this right. That should not be a judgment on the PT. And I know I'm speaking from the PT side, but there are a lot of maneuvers, just like I said, with a lot of weird names and they do get kind of jumbled because two of them are almost identical, but your head is in a different starting position. and That makes all the difference. So when you're thinking about that and your PT is like, okay, hold on, Give me one second. I'm going to make sure I'm doing it the right way, whatever. That's actually a good thing because it makes sure they're double checking themselves. And I guarantee you 99% of the time they're right in their own head, but it's like a second guessing yourself kind of a situation. Yeah. Cause you don't want to set it up wrong and yeah, go down the wrong path for nothing. But yeah, when it's left and right and our eyes only move certain ways, it's just like, there's one that's like, if it's moving this way, you start on this side, but if it's moving mm-hmm. this way, you just do the opposite. And it's like, okay. Which one's which? Yeah. I know, Yeah. Like I know there's things I just need to get yeah. in the right starting spot and then everything else you feel good and about. That's also going to make your life as a patient easier because then you won't have done the wrong one like six times and be like, this is not helping. Like back to the drawing board, you're going to get it right the first time when that happens, as long as you've tested correctly. So when you're testing that posterior canal, you're going to start with that Dix Hall Pike, which you turn your head towards the side you're testing. So let's say you're testing the right side. You're going to turn your head to the right a little bit. Then you're going to fall all the way backwards. And your PT typically, there's different ways to do it as a physical therapist, but is going to be sitting behind you. And your head's going to fall off the table a little bit, but they're just going to catch your head in an extended position. So your head is going to be like, turn to the right and up towards the sky. And that's a provocative position. The intention is to get those crystals to move and you cannot treat BPPV if you cannot recreate the motion. I will also say that there are people with different anatomy. So some people need more head extension. Some people need less head extension. Some people need to tilt more to the right or more to the left, depending on literally where your vestibular system is positioned in your head. Because just like different lengths of legs. There's different positions that your vestibular system can be in. So you're going to test that. And if your PT sees the correct type of nystagmus, which they should be able to identify if they are treating BPPV, it's really important. They're going to roll you all the way to the left. If you're from the right, you're going to be rolled to the left, to the left, to the left, look down at the floor, and then you will come back to sitting position, basically. And that will have hopefully rolled out all, if not some of the crystals from that canal. And then you can retest a few minutes later. Now getting these tests right the first time is helpful and getting the maneuver right the first time is helpful, but it doesn't always happen. So we typically say you need between one and three to four-ish treatments, depending on if it's in one canal or multiple canals and kind of how well you respond to the maneuver, how many maneuvers you can do in one day, If it makes you so sick, you can only do it once. These are all different things to consider when thinking about, hey, what kind of vertigo, what kind of dizziness am I going to deal with? And how long is the treatment going to take? 
So when it comes to like testing, though, like you said, like not everyone has the exact same anatomy. There's the, hey, here's what we think a lot of people tend to have, but Mm -hmm. it's still not guaranteed, right? Um, So sometimes that might look like you get into a test position and people are like, I feel something, but that's not exactly what I'm feeling. And then you might do the other positions, like let's just rule out the other ones too. And they're like, nope, nothing, not at all. But Mm -hmm. like this one felt different but not exactly what I was having. And that's Uh when I will at least take the pause of like, okay, well, if all the other ones you feel really like, yeah, that wasn't it, but this one still felt weird based on their history too. You might say, well, let's try it again, but let's play around with that position. Maybe we need to be a little bit more creative or just make a few adjustments with that. Um, or people will feel funny, but not enough that you're seeing eye movement or you say, let's just try a treatment and you recheck and nothing's really changed. That's when, again, there's that, is it, is it not? And sometimes it's one of those things of like, time will tell. Totally. Like totally. people will show up like two days later and they're like, I, it's definitely here now. Like, and we test and sure enough, there it is the side that felt kind of weird, but nothing was really coming out of it. Like it's very obvious now. So again, things get like stuck or don't want to move or something's going on in there where it's like, you have this feeling that something's off, but it's just not showing up enough. And then it finally does. And I say, well, now that we're seeing it, it's moving around. Now this treatment's going to be a little bit more worth our while too, if it's moving to actually fix it right absolutely absolutely and that's important to remember as always so uh, then, yeah oh, oh we're probably thinking the same thing you go no you go <laughs> I was like but and on the flip side though um there could be those instances of it's not BPPV yep it's something else is that where you're totally. going um I was going to talk about horizontal as well but we can talk about oh. this first Let's do it. Oh, okay. So when you are talking about this and you're like, I have dizziness when I lay down. And let's say, for instance, you're laying down in bed and you haven't moved your head at all. You're just laying down in bed and all of a sudden the room starts spinning. Or you're sitting there watching TV. It's a normal Tuesday night, reading a book, whatever you're doing on Tuesday. And the room starts to spin, even for a second. Okay, another example. You laid in bed at night. You turned your head to the left. It's been there for 10 minutes. Then you start spinning. All of these examples are ones I hear that people have said, I got diagnosed with BPPV. Can you give me an Epley maneuver? That is not BPPV. There are very specific criteria, one of which is, of course, nystagmus, but vestibular migraine can present with identical nystagmus in identical positions, identically. And then I have one patient who literally did over a thousand barbecue rolls because her doctor was like, you definitely have BPPV, just keep doing them at home. And then she couldn't lay flat for like a year and a half because it was so traumatic to have done all of those and it not worked. And there's a lot of medical trauma and stuff there. And that is not her fault. That is the fault of a faulty vestibular medical system. Let's all be real here. But it's important to recognize what is and what is not BPPV. Because yes, BPPV is positional vertigo, but it's also not neurological positional vertigo. It's a very specific kind. And there is more, there is more, there are more kinds of positional vertigo than just BPPV. Yeah. And I think that's, again, why there's the, you know, only do a couple maneuvers in a day, like give it a little bit of time if they're real. And then like doing those checks, like, okay, we've tried this like three separate sessions. Mm -hmm. Do we feel really confident? And this is what it is. And it's just being stubborn, which can certainly Mm -hmm. happen. Or do we feel like we've made no headway and we're just not quite sure this is it? And mm-hmm. I remember evaluating someone that they were just, they were feeling terrible and they just did like audiology testing or something. Mm-hmm. And 
they have a history of migraine. I was like, everything I'm reading, I was like, I feel like this is probably a migraine person, even though this says this is like a BPPV eval. Mm-hmm. And they're just feeling terrible. And I'm mm-hmm. like, so based on everything you've already told me and I've read, like, I really don't think it's BPPV. I know this is what you're kind of showing up for. And if it is more of like you're in the middle of a vestibular migraine attack right now, like we might be able to lay you back. I'll see your eye movements, but like this treatment isn't going to help. It's probably just going to make you feel worse. It's just like, and she's like, I like, I already feel bad. I don't Uh care if this has even a potential of it being this let's just figure it out. I was like, okay. Okay. And like, then again, you layer back. I was like, I'm putting you in an epley for a posterior canal. It looks just like it. I'm seeing eye movement. Like if I was brand new or didn't really know that migraine could show up like this, I'd be thinking, oh, easy piece of cake. It's a posterior canal, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't fatiguing really it was like going on for like we're starting to see some of those more central signs that saying hey a central thing Mm -hmm. is happening because I'm in the middle of a migraine attack Mm -hmm. but it's again not any not any one person's fault we can pin on there's this whole system there's education it's hard to know everything and I certainly don't know everything but I can my heart goes out to people that are like I've done this hundreds thousands of totally it's a hard thing so let's talk about how to differentiate between the two because i feel like i'm a broken record on this and it still to everyone in the world i don't think i will ever say it enough time so let's talk about it (laughs) if you are having positional vertigo from bppv it will be blatantly obvious to a to most providers not maybe to you because that's not something that most people know but to a vestibular therapist, definitely. And to most physical therapists, it should be blatant. You will go into the test position, either a Dix Hall Pike or a roll test for a horizontal canal, Dix Hall Pike for a posterior canal. And it will be a delayed onset. So you will lay back and like five to 15 ish seconds will go by. And then you will start spinning. You will have this nystagmus that your provider is going to be able to see for between 15 to 60 seconds. It can last longer in very specific occasions, which we can talk about. But generally for most people, it's going to last 15 to 60-ish seconds and it will fatigue. So it'll be really, really intense and it'll slow down, slow down, slow down and stop. Then we'll say, okay, I saw the nystagmus. I saw that eye movement. And it was in a very specific pattern. It's either upbeating torsional nystagmus, geotropic nystagmus, or ageotropic nystagmus. Those are the three kind of words you're looking for. And in most cases, it will fatigue. And if you do that motion again, it will happen a second time. And it will happen consistently in that exact way over and over and over again until it's treated. If you're having vestibular migraine or other centrally related, so like brain and spinal cord related vertigo, usually has to do with vestibular migraine. It's the most common reason for it. You will lay down, it will immediately usually start and it will not fatigue until you move. You might be able to suppress it a little bit easier Uh, So if you're staring at one spot, you might be able to say, okay, I'm just going to stare at this spot and it will kind of go away. It's more suppressible from what I've seen of it. And when you then do a treatment, maybe you're like, I'm just going to try to see. I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm going to see. If you go and see and do an Epley maneuver, let's say it's in the posterior canal, you do the Epley maneuver. And it doesn't go away. And you're like, that's weird. It's just as bad as the first time. I'm going to do it again and again and again. And you do it three or four times and you're like pretty sure you're doing it right or you're doing it with a qualified provider and it's not going away. That's usually, not always, but usually not BPPV. So having it in every single canal is pretty rare on both sides, unless you've been in a car. I've treated it 
only with people in car accidents. Maybe Jenna has seen it in other people as well. But if someone's like, it's in every single canal, it's just everywhere. Your eyes just won't stop moving. That's migraine almost every time. So these little things are things that not everyone is familiar with, but is something that you can be familiar with by listening to this podcast and being able to advocate for yourself. Yes. And I know, you know, it's easy to just be like, well, okay, they've listed off a couple, you know, different one-off cases where, you know, there is this more fine tuning to it or, you know, exceptions. And you're like, well, what if I'm the exception? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, you know, it's easy to get in your head of like, well, maybe I'm that person and I just kind of need to stick with it. And this next one will be the one, but Mm -hmm. other things too, like if it's, it's bad, you know, it comes on right away. Maybe you weren't in one of those more like test like positions that set the whole thing off. And then it just goes away on its own. Like maybe you were like, I think this is what it is. I'm going to call my doctor. They can't get me in until the end of the week. And maybe halfway to through the week before your appointment, it's already feeling better. It's going away. You maybe just have more of this like hangover, more vague, not that specific, like twirling, spinning. It might be migraine too because when people are like it's I've had this before but it just goes away I go can that happen in BPPV yes but is it doing that four five six times like Mm -hmm. I don't think you're that miracle of a body or you're like more evolved than us or something Mm -hmm. like it's probably migraine at that point yeah I agree and there is a new research article about this that I don't think I've sent you yet but it's fascinating I sent it to Cheryl And then I finished reading it like last night. So I'm going to send it to you. It is like, could a lot of BPPV be vestibular migraine? And it's like, actually, yeah, maybe. So I agree with you entirely. There are those dark cells that reabsorb the crystals into your your body in your semicircular canal. So in theory, it can happen. But if it's happening over and over and over again, just like you were saying, it's probably not that because... You have to be in like one specific position where it happens to be on your dark cell and it happens to absorb in the right amount of time for having been there. It's like the likelihood is low. I think they say like on average, it takes at least 30 days for that to happen. So so it's unlikely that it's like coming and going every week that it's a thing. This is reminding me where I've had some people with BPPV and they like waited, you know, sometimes like I don't think it was completely on us being like too booked up but it might have been like a they're like well my doctor said it would go away on its own in like a mm-hmm. couple weeks and it's like well and I'm like well if it wasn't bothering you enough and you know again like what do you tell people how do you want to go about this again is tough but then I'm like oh yeah this is definitely it we want to get this addressed like if it wasn't bothering you too much like I guess that's good that you're feeling pretty okay, but I still want to get it treated sooner because sooner the better just to get you feeling better and reduce that chance of a fall because it catches you off guard because I don't know, you moved in a way you didn't realize might set it off and there it is. And um, I feel like there was research lately saying that like, if you treat it sooner, better likelihood of getting it resolved more quickly. Yeah, I think so. I want to make sure I wasn't dreaming that one up. (laughs) Another thing that someone once told me, or I think it was actually a colleague was calling me and being like, does this seem normal? Because they're not a physical therapist. And she called me and she's like, I have a patient. XYZ is happening. She's having some weird positional stuff. To me, it sounds like migraine, but like, I don't, I'm not a physical therapist. So like, I don't know. And the physical therapist that this patient had gone to see said, and this just seems like really kind of like red flaggy to me. Oh, your BPPV is super, super, super mild. It's very, very light. And it's a good thing you came to see me because most people wouldn't recognize this as BPPV. They wouldn't have even seen it. And when you have true BPPV, typically it's pretty obvious, especially the first time because 
not the first time you've ever had it. I mean, yes, then too, but the first time you try and treat it because when it falls, sometimes more than one like piece can fall. And so if you have like bigger rocks that respond better to gravity versus like sandy pieces or dusty pieces, I mean, they're all so tiny, but comparatively, like the dusty pieces can kind of get left behind and be kind of funky. But if it's your first treatment for a round or an episode of BPPV, typically it'll start off pretty strong. So if someone's like, good thing you came and then you go through all these maneuvers and like three or four visits later, it's like no change. That's probably a flag. That's something else. Yeah. I call those like the snow globe pieces where I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, imagine like you shake up a snow globe and you're trying to like direct that the way you want it to go to do the thing you want it to do. Like Mm -hmm. probably hard. So that might be like, you take a lot of time between like position changes or I've had people where they're like, it happens, but it takes like a little bit of time to come on and then it's super quick. And then again, Mm -hmm. a good assessment to like hold them in that test position. And like they taught us in school, like hold it for the full minute. So I'm just Mm -hmm. holding it. Like we're having a staring contest because I'm not taking my eyes off their eyes. And then all of a sudden there's like a bloop and they're like, I just felt it. I'm like, okay, something it's happening. Like you're in the position. That's the thing that you've been feeling. This is the only way you've recreated it. Like mm-hmm. let's just do a really Give it a shot. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, let's recheck it. And sure enough, all better. Um, Great. There awesome. you go. So yeah. And again, that's again, that how, what are you saying? What are the, what does the therapist feel comfortable with? How are they doing the treatment? Do they just sit you down and count to 10 and Oh, that's not it. Sit you back mm-hmm. up or you know, there's a lot of different things going on. Yeah. And also as we age, something to consider is that the fluid in our ears gets a little bit thicker. And so it's harder for those crystals to move with gravity. And so there's less nystagmus, less eye movement when you're older. And the patient I was talking about, she's in her early 30s. So this would not be so applicable to her. But if you're like listening to this, you're over, I'd say 65 or 70. And you're like, it moves really slow. And I don't really know. I think it's always good to check. Just like it's always good to test. You can always treat it once or twice. It's not going to cause anything as long as it's not like sending you into a migraine attack. I think there's no harm in testing for it most of the time. Yeah. I've had people, I'm like, okay, it's this really minor thing. It's like just nagging on you. Mm -hmm. Like it takes five minutes to do this. Let's do it wait Mm -hmm. and see, but let's also just have a plan of trying to work on some other things in the meantime too. Totally. I agree. So last thing before the last thing that we need to talk about a little bit is horizontal canal. Mm -hmm. So we talked a lot about posterior canal. Horizontal canal is just the other common canal that it can, that BPPV can happen in. And that's where those words geotropic and ageotropic come in. The test for that is not the Dick's Hall Pike. The test for that is the roll test. And you would roll someone's head to the right, roll someone's head to the left, see if they're having nystagmus up towards the ceiling or down towards the floor. So ageotropic or geotropic and treat them respectively in the barbecue roll maneuver. Now, this is the exception to the rule where nystagmus will fatigue. BPPV, if you like, name it with its fancy name instead of right canal, right BPPV or whatever, you would say right horizontal canal, cupulolithiasis or canalithiasis. Now you don't really need to know like exactly which of these things it is, but it can be helpful to understand better is if you have canalithiasis, your BPPV is in the horizontal canal itself in a spot where it will roll out. If you have cupulolithiasis, and you can go listen to episode one to learn what a cupula is, if you have that, it means it's adhered or stuck to the cupula, and you need to not shake your head, but do a more aggressive maneuver to get it off of the cupula back into the part of the canal where it will roll and then do a roll maneuver. So there's like an extra step and you'll know because it will typically be ageotropic towards the ceiling and not fatigue. Like you'll lay there for three to five minutes and it's just not going away. 
So that is one of the ways that it's not migraine, but you should be really careful if you're a physical therapist in those scenarios to do the right treatment. Yeah. So I think, again, it's that idea of we're looking at eye movements and also what position are these eye movements happening Mm -hmm. to. Totally. Now, I usually check for the horizontal first just to get an idea. And of course, there's overlap in these canals. So you might test for the horizontal and you see that upbeat torsional that's Mm -hmm. like oh you probably have posterior or if you go right into checking for posterior and it's horizontal like it's gonna have that horizontal canal eye movement and you're like Mm -hmm. this is what we have like yeah so again there is that nuance which is why it's an assessment it's nice to have a qualified person helping Mm -hmm. to identify this and check for it type of thing but um yeah that is a good thing to review of the exception to the rule after we're talking about vestibular migraine and totally Totally. and then the other thing people say is i had anterior canal which is the third of your semicircular canals the anterior canal does indeed exist it is highly unlikely for you to get anterior canal bppv and you will have a down beating nystagmus meaning your eyes are going downwards in your socket like if you are looking at me sitting up right now, that direction down towards the floor, not sideways towards the floor. So down beating nystagmus is typically a central sign. If you theoretically have anterior canal BPPV, which happens, I believe, less than 1% of the time, it is really uncommon. There's another maneuver we're not going to go into, but that's a time also to say, oh, maybe this is migraine related because down beating nystagmus is typically a central sign, not always. In theory, you could have it, but when we're thinking about it, you will have got like a, an, an otoconia would have ha- had to be floating around already. You would have had to go upside down. So you'd have to do like a headstand in yoga or be really into acrobatics. And then it would have had to flip around somehow to the backside and then get stuck there. and. This is so hard to imagine happening. And this is why it's so uncommon because typically if you went upside down your head and then you stood back up, you like flipped back normal, then you would, it would fall back out into the place that it belongs. Basically the ultimate, you would do it yourself. Exactly. The ultimate (laughs) self-clearing canal. So if you're like, I keep getting anterior canal and they keep treating it with this different maneuver and it keeps happening, keep coming, get a headache specialist on your team or if they're like hey i think it's actually this wonky presentation for posterior Mm -hmm. and they go through that whole step and explain it which is always nice just to like hey this thing happened here's some of the phrasing um Mm -hmm. now we're going back to the usual type of thing again this is why it's so confusing right there's Mm -hmm. so many different pieces moving and going on here but Unless they feel really confident about it being like this atypical posterior presentation that again, they can kind of reset and you're feeling progress or feeling better about where things are. And the therapist can really explain here's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it anterior or should you go to a headache specialist? Exactly. Exactly. So hopefully that makes sense. I know that was a lot of a lot of information. Give this episode a second listen. If you're like, I keep having BPPV and I'm just really not sure about it, that kind of a thing, definitely yeah. give us another listen. It's like anatomy round two. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. BPPV is like so common and feels straightforward once you do it so many times. But if you're new to BPPV, like I, this is, this is a, um, what is it called when you're about to admit something to the public? Vulnerable. This is a vulnerable moment. Thank you. My neurology practical in physical therapy school was a right posterior canal BPPV patient. So it's like a practical is when someone in your class comes in and they fake having a diagnosis and then you have to treat it. That was my practical prompt. And I did the Epley maneuver so wrong that our professor held me after the practical and was like, 
I'm going to let this person leave and I want to talk to you about this now. Not when I tell you you fail this next week, now. Because I did it like not even close. That's how confusing this is. So now I can do it like the back of my hand, no problem. I've done it literally thousands of times. That was the first time I'd ever been tested on it. But it is confusing, even for myself at the beginning of this. So if you're like, I do not know what's going on, do not worry about it. Listen to this again. Know you're in good company. I promise you also don't need to know the direction of your eyes. Someone else needs to be telling that to you. You just need to be able to advocate for yourself. And like you're saying with Cheryl, there's an awesome Uh app that can help you decide all those things too. So you don't have to be thinking of all those things. It just like filters it out for you. Yeah. It's called Healing Vertigo. And it's by Cheryl. She's fantastic. She's at Healing Vertigo. I think it's Healing underscore Vertigo, maybe dot Vertigo on Instagram. She's one of my favorite people. She's so cool. Uh, And she's like, I call her the queen of BPPV. So she developed (laughs) that app. And I also wanted to say one more thing is after you do a treatment, giving yourself 24 to 48 hours to kind of take it easy is fine. Reintroduce yourself to gentle movements again. But wearing a neck collar, avoiding all movements, things like that, disproven that that's helpful a while ago. So an abundance of caution would include not sleeping on the side that was treated that day. So let's say we treated the right side, just try to sleep on your back or the left side, maybe with two pillows instead of just one. Uh, So it gives that crystal some time to reabsorb into your body. But usually after that, going back to your usual, usual routine, if you're still dizzy after the treatment, you're not alone. That's pretty normal. I'd give it a week to kind of settle out. And then after a week, if you're still like, I'm pretty dizzy, uncomfortable, having some anxiety about this, head back to your vestibular physical therapist for some more exercises. Cause there are things that we can do to make this process a little bit easier. Yes. And remember nothing causes this. <laughs> and it's not your fault. that abundance of caution, there's that plan of like, we want you to wean that off in a day or two. Like, yes. When people are like, I've done that for years and years now, and now Mm -hmm. it's impacting how I'm able to be comfortable to even sleep. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Like really like do it for a day or two just to like make yourself feel comfortable. But we want to get you back into your routine because that lets us know, is it better? Is it not? Is there maybe a little bit of extra like, balance work just to kind of brush things up if you've maybe had it for a while and now it's cleared out you know sometimes our body needs to go oh yeah this is out of our system now this is how we need to listen to this vestibular system so getting that chance to see how things are going to then follow back up is really Mm -hmm. important sometimes I tell people if you feel exhausted this was a lot it's not Mm -hmm. fun if you are good at napping or have the opportunity to nap and you want to take a 20 minute nap. Sometimes that's a nice Mm -hmm. little reset too. Like totally. All All right. Ready for this pop quiz, Jenna. Uh Oh, okay. Okay. Stick it to me. I went to the dentist and that caused my BPPV true or false. False. Yeah. Okay. I did downward dog in yoga class. That caused my BPPV. True or false? False. Good job. If I have recurrent BPPV, what are the things I should get checked? Just list me three. Vitamin D, blood pressure, cholesterol. Beautiful. Um, oh, I was like, are you? Just like, is there another? And what like, other things we can do? to prevent BPPV from recurring in the future besides the ones? What are lifestyle changes we can make? Move, move, move. Get up and move. Heck yeah. All right. (laughs) I think that's all we got about BPPV for today. Lovely, beautiful. I'm sure there'll be some good questions with this. So if Mm -hmm. we ever need a question, answer, follow-up round, hit me with it. Yeah. Ask us some questions. We'll do a Q&A. I've thought about... Tell me what you guys think about this idea too. I've thought about putting up a question box and rather than a question box for like I do on Mondays to answer on Thursdays on my Instagram, I should put up a question box and we'll do like five questions or 10 questions. I won't do 20 questions. We'll be there all day, but like five or 10 questions or something like that, that we can think about and talk about uh, that are commonly frequently asked questions that are 
kind of fun. Like I was listening to someone else's podcast. It was a business podcast. It was like, how would I manage that? And five people like asked their business question about like different things. And they talked about how to manage it. I thought that was interesting. So maybe we can do it like that. We can't give medical advice, but we can talk about different management things. So tell us if you think that's a good idea. I mean, I think it's a nice idea. Or just, hey, what are your, here's a topic. What do you have questions on to maybe make it narrow, but also like, yeah, send a thing and say, think out loud for me. Yeah. So send us your questions. We'll answer them on the podcast. It'll be fun. We won't out you. I promise. All right. (laughs) Thanks guys. Thank you. See you soon. Thanks so much for listening today. Find me on Instagram at the vertigo doctor, Dr. Jenna at dizzy.rehab.therapist and the pod at grounded.vestibular.pod. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our channel wherever you get this podcast. And if you're interested in working with us, try Vestibular Group Fit, the affordable, comprehensive program that focuses on movement, mindset, support, and education to take you from frustrated and dizzy to feeling in control of your vestibular disorder. Use code GROUNDED at checkout for 10% off your first subscription. Or we can work together one-on-one in California, Virginia, Minnesota, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Wyoming, and Wisconsin. Your success story begins today. Dizziness does not have to be forever. Let's get you the right tools to thrive. Love ya, and we'll see you next time on Grounded. Grounded.